the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way, you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic, and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. Socialpeta is the world's leading advertisement, creative spy, and analysis platform dedicated to offering top ad creatives and marketing strategies for both advertisers and publishers. Serving as an essential ad and marketing intelligence platform, Socialpeta focuses on ad intelligence, cost intelligence, super important, and ad creatives. They have over 200 enterprise clients, including the big guys, Google, Supercell, FunPlus, and so many more. Go check them out. It is socialpeta.com. That, once again, is socialpeta, like a pet, peta.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to growing your app downloads and your revenue. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest. We're going to talk all about monetization and how he's able to land some massive press. Now, he did that by refining his story. Today's guest, his name is David Emberly, and he is the co-founder and CEO of a cool keyboard app that you guys have to check out. It is called TypeWise. Search for it in the iOS and Google Play Store, TypeWise. And then if you want to check out the website, it is typewise.app. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. Uh, great for having me on, on here tonight. All right, David. I know you started out with a Kickstarter campaign. Talk to me about the strategy behind that. Sure. Well, the whole thing started with my uh, uh, co-founder sending me a very long email uh, um, <laughs> explaining me how we're typing on a 19th century uh, typewriter technology and how that's absolutely insane. Um, and to this very long email, he attached me um, his concept of a honeycomb layout where the keys are larger and uh, which is basically uh, um, like the, the single factor of, of why uh, typing is so painful, uh, the small keys and uh, these, these uh, frustrating typos. Um, and the first thing we did was we, we, did to, we didn't even know if, the, if developing a, a, a honeycomb keyboard is even possible, um, especially on, on iOS, which uh, is quite restrictive in, in, in some regards. So we built a, you can call it like a POC, um, for a few months, and once uh, this, we like we saw this is possible. The next step was basically to go out there and see is this something that other people are interested in and are willing um, to to spend a bit of money on. Um, since we knew this is going to be a long journey, and we need to make some revenue along the way, and um, yeah, I think we we didn't make a huge. Um, research uh, when selecting Kickstarter. Um, but I think my co-founder had bought products on there previously, um, like hardware products, and we felt it would be a good platform um, to get first traction and this, like this market validation. 
and uh, that's when we decided um, to to do that. And um, the the <laughs> the way there was was pretty funny. Um, we we booked like a two like a two day retreat. Uh, it was in France that time. Uh, I was living in Germany. Uh, he he in Switzerland, and we met like halfway. Uh, at the border uh, of, of France <laughs> in some random town and uh, really sat down uh, two days to like make that video which I think is really the centerpiece um, of, of any Kickstarter campaign um, you know cranking out the the reward system and the story behind it um, and then we we basically went live um, with that 30-day campaign you said POC. What does that mean? Like, is this just like the MVP proof. or? Yeah, like a proof of concept. Oh, got That's, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Kickstarter, like, is it just to get revenue? And what were you guys doing? I know with any Kickstarter campaign, like the early investors, the people who backers, those are the so important. Like, what were you guys doing to get those early people behind your Kickstarter? Yeah, so we had like three types of people. We had obviously friends and families and they probably gave us between like 50 and 100 bucks um, each. So I think that was, you know, like a nice gesture. Yeah, <laughs> there were a few of those. Yeah. Um, and then we had a reward. I don't remember how we like how we call it. We, we used a bit of uh, like funny, funny terms, but basically it was giving away an alpha version. So we said it will obviously take a while to develop the app, um, but the alpha people would be the really the first ones to get their hands on it. Um, even if it's a very dirty uh, like product, <laughs> um, they, they could use it. And that was, we had maybe 50, 80 like users uh, from that tier. And that really helped us also in the development um, because we had feedback almost from the very start. Um, what works, what doesn't work, with a keyboard, you have different languages that, that you need to support. So very quickly, you get you know feedback from Americans, from from British, uh, from Germans, uh, Swiss, and so forth. And that makes sure that you don't you know overlook certain features that may not matter in like one specific language. Yeah. And then the third group was like beta users and and like users that just uh, you know gave us money for good karma. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Was it hard figuring out what levels? So I see the five dollar, the ten dollar, the twenty-five, thirty-five, fifty, a hundred, a thousand. You had one backer from a thousand. Was it hard yeah. figuring out those levels? And not not really. I mean, you look at other other successful campaigns I and see. you kind of see what they did. Yeah. I think yeah, there, there are different ways. And in, in the end, you, you do want to have probably a very expensive one because yeah, even as this case shows, there is sometimes <laughs> like the, <laughs> like the rich, crazy guy that uh, just finds this thing cool. And uh, yeah, ha like is having a good day. Um, you probably want somewhere in between like the fifth where it is expensive, but not too much. So if somebody's really convinced he, he, he might spend it. And then you want to probably have two lower tiers where it's like like quite like very cheap and maybe like a little bit more premium, um, but I think the pricing really depends on yeah the type of product and what the what the end price would be. 
interesting. I like it. Now you want to, I want to move on to like your value proposition because it is a sure. keyboard app. You know, it is hard to get people to, I don't know, you tell me, but it's kind of hard. People are used to the default one. So get them to switch over to a keyboard app. How, what would you start off with your value proposition and what is it today? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think it's like, we haven't reached um, the end of it. Um, we started with, we, we, we started with a combination of two value propositions. So, and it really comes back to this first email that my co-founder sent me because he, he obviously also did some market research then and tested different keyboards. I mean, we're not the first ones to, to like, look at this problem. Um, and he, he already identified the two big, let's say pain points people have one is to type accurately and the other one is to type fast. And we said we can solve both. We can solve typing like error free, how we call it back then. Mm -hmm. And, and I think super fast. So we said super fast and error free typing. I think that was the first message. So we already had difficulties really deciding what it is. And this, I think, was what we went into the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I, I was, you know, be, we, we then took about a year to like before launching it in the app stores. And on that, like along that journey, I, I, I felt we need more, let's say, science behind it. Mm. So we did user tests to see how much faster you are. And um, we saw that you can be up to 70% faster um, by using this keyboard for a few weeks. So I wow. think the biggest increases um, in speed um, while keeping the same level of accuracy, um, obviously, <laughs> uh, that led to 70%. This is then what we claimed when we launched, let's say, our, our MVP in the app stores. So we said type up to 70% faster. Yeah. And then um, like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and this is this really resonated well with the press uh, back then um, because it's quite a big claim. Um, we also saw it's a claim that you cannot fulfill on like during the first moment when people install it because it it there is a learning curve. So that was the downside of it because yeah, people installed and they're like, "What? I can't tap? Like it doesn't work?" And you needed a bit like you needed. To, to kind of believe in it and stick with it for maybe a week and then you would feel it. And so that was a big challenge that we had. And then over then the past two years, so we've been doing this as a side gig until the end of last year uh, when we actually went full time into it. And before then launching this as a, what I call like a final product under the name, under the name Typewise, um, we, uh, we thought about it again and felt we need to also make it more emotional. Um, it was very technical. To, uh, we were also often asked, why do I want to type 70% faster? Mm. And like, what is the ultimate benefit? And yes, of course you save time, but I think saving time by typing faster, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's a bit of a stretch. I think you don't feel it in your heart. It's just, it's, it's a bit unreasonable. Um, so we never went down that road, but then we thought about also after doing a lot of surveys. So we used Google, um, Google survey a lot to like test different value propositions. We asked a lot of questions. Like um, we also did Google ads tests where we did tested different 
landing pages with different value propositions to see what works better. And at the end, we felt it's more about avoiding the frustration moments when you're typing something and the autocorrection just keeps on doing something and the name you're trying to, to enter just doesn't work and you kind of give up. Yeah. Or yeah, you send a message and it just contains errors and you're like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's more about those moments. And that's why we then change it into no more typos, no more arg to kind of um, convey that, 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 that emotion. But now the, the latest pivot um, is that uh, now we have a, a cool uh, VP of growth um, who comes from a Uber Eats. So very proud about that. And he said, well, we have to obviously test more value propositions and that he's able to test many value propositions um, in, in the market. We now, changed again our app store claim to a very generic claim which is the next generation keyboard so that if let's say um we try to approach teenagers and say hey this is the like a cool keyboard yeah don't like don't do what your parents use mm -hmm. um use something cool if then they see no more typos no more arc there's a huge mismatch between the message we send in our marketing campaign versus what they see in the app store so his strategy is let's go for something generic for now mm -hmm. until we figure out which of maybe which of 10 or 20 different value propositions um, is actually the one that, that seems to get the best traction. So very different approach, very bad, like very data driven. Um, so I'm curious of how this is, uh, how this will play out. Yeah. Oh. I like that. And I like how you guys are constantly testing. I think that's the, the key message that I want to make sure people in the space get out there. Cause sometimes I hear from people, David, and they're like, you know, my app launched and getting no downloads. Help me. What do I do? Right? Like rather than testing out different campaigns, you guys ran some Google AdWords, kind of figure out like what messaging, like constantly tweaking and constantly getting user feedback to refine that message and be like, Oh, I got it. Here's what people do. You still have the mission. The mission is next generation keyboard. You know, this is pretty much what from day one has always been, mm -hmm. but the, the way you say it and the way you tell people has changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think what we've also learned is don't trust surveys. <laughs> I think it's, it's David, you just told us to do surveys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like what we found there. It's, it's, it's just people tell you stuff that they would do. Like we asked questions, we like we asked Android smartphone users, for example, how much would you pay for a keyboard um, where you need to invest one week to learn it, um, right. where you can reduce your typos by 80%. And I think 70 to 80% of respondents said they would pay five to $10 per year. But this is not, a, I mean, this would be an, an ex, you know, that, that's just not the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's with many of these things, people then, yeah, they quickly click an answer in the survey and because it could also, the way you phrase the question, it could suggest a certain answer. Right. Um, but when it's, I think it's more powerful to test real actions than hypothetical questions. I think yes. this is also a, a, a learning that, that we had, um, market research, it's great as a starting point, but then the testing needs to happen in the productive environment and not in some um like like lab setting got it so when you were saying like action-oriented questions 
do you still suggest that? Like what would be an action oriented question? Well, I wouldn't ask, I, I, I would just test it directly in the app oh, store. Oh, got it. Like, yeah, just see, right. yeah, are people paying? Yeah? If, if they're not paying, well, if they say they're paying, well, great, but they should pay. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, that makes sense. All right. <laughs> so, uh, on the topic of monetization, you one thing that's really working for you guys is having a paid license, offering a paid license that I believe is a one-time thing versus next to a subscription too. Is that what you mean by paid license? Yep. Yeah, okay. it's like a lifetime. Yeah like a lifetime license. Yeah. How's that working? And are you guys finding that most people are, what's the psychology there and where are most people buying, I guess? So what we found is that this depends very much on the country. Um, so in the U S um, it's, and like, I'm just giving you rough numbers also like from the top of my mind, but it's from 10 paying users, nine are choosing a subscription and one is choosing the uh, lifetime one-time fee. If you go to Germany, it's, um, it's almost 50-50. Wow, interesting. So I think we also had received negative comments, especially after the launch at the beginning, where, where we did not have this one-time li like license um, in there. And especially from Germany, people said, uh, I, I, I would never do a subscription. Um, and I mean, then we said, okay, let's just charge, you know, maybe two to three years worth of subscription as part of a lifetime deal. And we saw a huge adoption in certain countries. So I think it's very interesting. It, it might also shift more towards subscription. I think the US is always ahead um, in, in, in terms of leading uh, like novel business models. Um, so maybe that's also because bigger companies have been quicker in, in adopting this business model. Um, so I suspect also in Germany, the trend will be towards subscription. But what we see today um, is that, uh, that it's quite different from, from, uh, from the American market. So I think also with pricing uh, in general, but also the types of in-app purchase uh, one time versus subscription maybe all all in one package versus You're, you kind of froze a little bit, but you said something about pricing and offering a one-time package and then it kind of froze a little bit. Yeah. How this differs per country, uh, like what works well. Uh, and again, there it's all about testing. Uh, I like it, David. And I know your lifetime is about what you said, like two and a half years is what you said. And I, and, I mean, I have this philosophy because I just finished this book called I always forget it. Jonah Ber it's by Jonah Berger, but he was talking about psychological triggers to get people to really buy or move from one state. And it works in politics. So, you know, if you're a Republican to a Democrat or like a liberal. So like he talked about options and the fact that you're giving people options is so beneficial, right? Like, and I always had this mentality that and it, we've seen it work with like just other apps where it, he just had remove ads and then we had a couple of different options. And I think what options allow us to do as marketers is show where the value is too. Whereas some people might see like a $10 a year price, but that's so cheap. I'm going to subscribe to that. 
And then some people said $25 for a whole lifetime. Yeah. Like, let's just do that because then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Like, and so we like to feel in control rather than you just saying, Hey, it's yearly versus monthly. And I'm always stuck to a subscription. You're giving me options, which you don't want to give people too many options because then they're never going to decide, but some options so that they feel like they're in control of their own destiny in a way. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're still at, at, at the very beginning. Um, I think there needs to be a lot of AB testing. Um, and I would suggest to always do AB testing and not do sequential testing. Um, like, let's say you do one month, you do a 30 day trial, and then the next month, you change it to seven days, and then you compare how did the next month performers like the month before. The problem is if you have volatility in your, in your downloads, like in, in your acquisition and you always have volatility, it just screws up your entire experiment. So I think you always need to run both options at the same time and give part of it to like one group and part of it to the other group. Um, I think, and yeah, I mean, it always sounds easy A-B testing, but doing this um, in the app, it, um, it requires quite some implementation. So this is... I don't know if the video is going to hold up. Let's see. All right, you're back. Let's see. We might have to turn off video, which sucks because I want to use some of this video on the YouTubes, but let's try it. And if it breaks up, we'll, we'll turn off video. The, you're, you've been able to land some massive press. You were recently on TechCrunch, you've been on The Telegraph, Houston Chronicle, Tech Republic. How have you been able to really refine and you know, come up with the right story to go after the press? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always um, like, hard, like hard work too. <laughs> and I think it, it has different components. I think one component is obviously to have a catchy claim, um, be it, yeah, about the 70%, like type 70% faster or um, get rid of typos on your phone um, or talking about privacy, which is another um, like USP that we've, that we've always um, kind of held on to and uh, we, we strongly believe in that. Um, and then, um, I think, yeah, it's about writing a, a concise message, um, having, having some proof to your claims, maybe being able to connect it, um, to recent happenings. Uh, for example, with the protest movements, I think, um, downloads in, in, in privacy oriented apps went up. Mm. So for us, it was a bit about the story. Well, that's great. But what if your keyboard reads what you're doing, which on, on Android, um, at least, um, for, for many, um, keyboard apps, that's, that's actually like a, a, a problem. Um, so that then helps to get the foot in the door. Um, because yeah, maybe those are recent events where journalists are, are, are currently concerned about. Um, and then it's really, um, I mean, it's a sales uh, process. You need to obviously do your research, see who you approach. Um, and then you need to, to approach uh, th those those journalists, and uh, I mean you probably won't hear back from from like ninety percent. <laughs> so you also need to make sure that maybe you cast the net like like widely, maybe not at the beginning, um, because you don't want to give the same story to to like fifty different outlets. 
um, but to, to, to be prepared to do that and, and not take uh, three months to, to approach 20 people because then the story will be old. Um, yeah, and also persistence. I think uh, some, I think with TechCrunch, what happened is uh, I think the first, like the first journalist that, that I approached wasn't interested um, because he said it's not his field. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm not giving up. There must be somebody that, you know, that, that is covering this, this type of uh, technology. <laughs> and I, I kept, uh, I kept up with my search and then I got an out of office. I was like, well, I can't be, but I kept, um, I kept trying to get in touch while, with, while always staying polite. Of course, I think you should never spam people because that would break I mean, the future. Um, so I think, um, like professional courtesy, I think it's it's number one. But a bit of, uh, I think a bit of pushiness is required um, to be heard, um, because I imagine they, you know, as a popular journalist, you must get hundreds of pitches every day. Um, so how do you stand out? Um, and I think it's yeah, it's it's a mix uh, like between catchy, like catchy. Um, message, but then also a bit of persistence. Like it. Was it worth it? Is my next question. Because people always try to get press, and I'm always kind of like iffy about it. Because, it, like you said, it's so hard, right? It's so grueling and so hard, and you have to be so persistent about it. Was it worth it in your eye to get press? If you're talking about app downloads, then no. Or maybe um, it depends. There were a few outlets that gave us decent downloads um for example mac rumors i think that was a good one um and then in switzerland we were also in the national press um awesome and that gave us also tens of thousands of downloads in like one day but also there you see with a circulation of maybe half a million and we were in print and digital yeah, to get like ten thousand downloads from that article, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty bad conversion. It's like yeah, it's like two percent. Let's say click through from mm -hmm. yeah, uh, from readers to actual downloads. So um, yeah, I think. Look, I mean, it's 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 two things. One is it's free, um, and I think if you have news, I it's. Why not? Yeah, I think it's yeah. cool. It can also get you new contacts of people who read about it. it. Could be investors. I mean, with TechCrunch, it's more on 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 that side. Um, so it so it maybe helps you grow grow your network. Um, and I think it's also for your personal maybe pride and and also motivation. Um, it just gives you fresh energy to kind of keep going. Um, it's like a, you know, it's like a Gatorade boost, um, that you get and just, uh, like, yeah, it gives you fresh, um, like fresh energy. And I think from, from that perspective, it's worth it, but it's definitely not a sustainable growth strategy. Yeah. So that's well, clear. Let's talk about the growth strategy and a couple of things I want to move on to is how you're currently driving downloads and then how you've been able to, one of the things I'm like so fascinating about it, is product and marketing should go hand in hand. Now you've been able to mold the two and blend the two together to drive even more growth. So let's talk about the first part, which is like, what are you, what are you currently doing to drive those downloads? And then how have you merged the two 
teams together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right, right now we, we do a lot of paid advertising across many channels. So I think Facebook is, is very nice because you can work with, with the visuals. So you can test, you know, a lot of things you can test these value propositions that, that we spoke about. You can test visuals, like what type of visuals, um, like how, how do people react to that? Um, we obviously do do search ads on, on Apple. I think there you can also test a lot of things. Um, you can also see uh, what type of, ad, you know, you can do ads on not competitors, but on apps of certain categories where the user might also be interested in your product. Like that. And you can see which app category works. So for us, um, it, it, it could be a lot of productivity apps, or it could also be privacy apps. And there may be 10 or 20 categories that might be possible and maybe one or two um, could be um, you know like a gold nugget and then then we know to, to invest more um, with Google UAC everything is automated so it gives you very little um, possibilities to 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 run experiments um, we've done snapchat but um, really? co cost per install was quite bad um, so we just stopped it for for now um, we all also looked at TikTok, although what we understand is that they have a minimum ad spend of 25K per month. So right now this is a bit out of our budget. <laughs> um, we're working with influencers, like very tiny ones where we spend maybe $20 um, um, a piece, uh, mainly Instagram and, and see what happens. Also Cosper Install hasn't been phenomenal so far, but it allows you to test different influencer categories. And the next big thing for us will be YouTube, um, where there we have seen massive downloads. So um, if you say like, what is probably the biggest download generator? It's YouTube like tech influencers. So we mm. were on, on an Indian one who has 1 million plus followers. And I think that gave us 80,000 downloads. In wow. Like, free yeah we didn't pay like they just talked about us for free he just found um, out about you guys just yeah we we pitched him i don't okay. but he wasn't immediately connected uh but we didn't hear back from him and two months later we were on the show wow sometimes, yeah. Yeah, i mean I how did you know you were on the show like what what tipped you off how did you figure we out used, that it was this um yeah we use google news alerts on our brand um but that doesn't go through YouTube. And I think my co-founder, uh, he uses a different service that also crawls YouTube. Um, so I think that's also very important to then like how you keep track of those things because often they, they wouldn't tell you and you only find like find out through, through the news alerts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think YouTube, that will be the next uh, big thing for us. Hey, David, I want to ask you, is how are you able to find these influencers? Is it just like, is there a tool that you're using or is it just literally going on YouTube and being like, da, 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 you know, doing the manual work of searching for them? Yeah, I we are evaluating different tools right now. Um, there are tools that are usually quite costly. Yeah. And I can't tell if they're effective for PR. We did use a tool, but it's dead now. Um, there is one, it's called Muckrack. Yeah. But oh, it's dead. Wow. Okay. But but they're but they're price. I think they don't even have a pricing. Um, it's just like a contact sales. So uh, yeah, I think it's probably it would be out of our budget too. Um, so what I do really, I Google for competitors on 
the big websites. So I, yeah, I mean, those you find out what are, you know, the 20, 50, 100, 200 websites that you might want to be featured on. And then on the, that search, you Google for maybe big apps that are in a similar category and you see who wrote about those. Mm, and then like you have to find their email. Sometimes it's on there. Sometimes it's not. You can check LinkedIn. There are tools where you can find email address, like email addresses um, that are hidden and they somehow find it. You also have to pay, but I think that's more reasonable. Um, so it's a very manual effort. So it's almost like building your CRM. And that's why it's important not to burn your bridges. Uh, because if you do, then all this work was for nothing. And yeah, then yeah, you're basically blacklisted and you don't want to do that. Yeah. What about the influencer side of things? Yeah, on, on YouTube, you can also, I mean, look for videos that mention, I don't know, top keyboard apps or, and then often you see related channels and you find those and in the about section, you can click on um, like- So it is a lot of manual. Very manual, they show you, (laughs) you know, this capture, click on all traffic lights, click like click on all bicycles and then you get it half the time, you get it wrong. So it takes a lot of time. It seems like um, YouTube, I've heard, I'm hearing a lot and a lot from others that YouTube seems to be the best channel from an influencer marketing perspective yeah, to okay. go after for the app downloads. Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. Maybe we should create a YouTube channel, just reviewing apps, getting paid yeah. that way. That's yeah. what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, David, I want to, so out of all those different channels, you mentioned the Facebook ads, the Google UAC, this Apple search ads, which one has been the most effective for you guys? Yeah, it's, it's honestly a good question. We just started doing this in, in August. Um, so it's a bit early. It really depends. I think Facebook has been the best for cost per install. Um, but then when it comes to conversion um, to premium, it's, I, I couldn't tell you right now. Okay. Um, we see sometimes huge differences in, in, in app behavior between the channels. We're still, we still have to check if it's maybe a measurement problem um, from the analytics or if it's really the case um, like massive like 5x difference in maybe tutorial completion rate wow which is not really clear why why that would be um, but that's quite interesting uh, um, <laughs> interesting and then lastly the the product and the marketing how do you how have you been able to align both teams to really have a what you call a powerful growth engine yeah, this is still, let's say, work in progress. But what I mean, we're doing two things. One is we've just introduced um, the concept of OKRs or objectives and key results. Yeah, nice. Um, I think there's a good book called uh, Measure What Matters. So I think that- I read that book and I did that same yeah. thing. I couldn't keep up. I hope you keep up with it, David, because I did that with my team and I was like, ah, we just couldn't keep up with it. I mean, we're such a small team, anyways. But like, we, we couldn't did keep. He used a with cool it. tool. Did he like? Did he use a tool for it or? No, we just put in like some spreadsheet or something. Yeah. So we use a tool. It's called ally.io. So this is now free marketing for them. Um, we were still evaluating it, um, but they, um, they also will send you reminders every week to like perform a, a, a check-in um, to your KPIs. And it seems that this could, like it could be very lean. Um, what, like now that it's set up, my hope is that it's really a 15 minute effort per week 
Um, but to me, like as a CEO, it gives me more visibility. What is everyone working on? We also have, I mean, we're 10 people. We have an app team with three people. Um, we have an AI team because we also work with a, with a scientific institution for the entire text prediction um, side of things. And then we have a, a, a marketing team. So it, it already gets a bit complex. And on the other side, on the more operational level, we use Scrum um, really with one week sprints um, and having a, a demo Friday every week mm-hmm. where we also look at, at, at the roadmap, like just like four weeks ahead, what is the latest um, status of when updates are coming out. So as a marketing gets an idea of, uh, of what's going in where and can also like uh, fill in their requirements um, for, I don't know, product tests or certain features that, that is required from the marketing side. I like it. Um, but this is hard. I mean, this is not easy. Even with 10 people, it's, all, it's, it's already quite complex. So I don't want to imagine how you have to do this for like a hundred people company. <laughs> David, this has been awesome. Anything I missed that you want to make sure we cover before we hit the big finish? No, I mean, look, this, this has been, this has been very cool. Um, it always gets me a thinking afresh, uh, <laughs> when I hear questions, obviously, uh, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot we, we haven't covered, but I think this, this, uh, were probably some of the gems of it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, come back anytime, talk about what has been working. And when you figure out the attribution stuff, come back anytime and you tell us like, Hey, search ads, this is what I'm assuming search ads. The tutorial completion is going to be, was amazing. Facebook ads, not as, not as good. That's what my assumptions are because I think search ads are probably the best channel when you're trying to get the most subscriptions Mm -hmm. too. But David, this has been absolutely amazing. Let's go to the big finish. Give us one other app besides type wise that we should definitely check out. Whoa. Um, well, that's a good question. So my, my favorite, or maybe the app that I use most, um, besides, um, obviously type wise, because I also type a lot. Um, it's our, our, it's also a, a Swiss creation. It's our local uh, public transportation app. But the cool thing is, is you can use it nationwide on any public transportation hmm. and you just hop on and you click check in and you hop off the bus and you click check out. And at the end of the day, um, it will just automatically choose the, the, the cheapest ticket option for you for all the trips you did during the entire day. Um, so it saves you money. Um, it saves you hassle of figuring out if you need to get a day pass or, or individual tickets. And um, it also um, avoids you getting a fine. Obviously, we're here we have uh, people checking um, if you have a ticket or not, and then they find like 150 bucks. Um, so, uh, it's actually quite useful. So I, so I use this every day and it's, uh, it's my big help. What's a lesson could be business or personal that took you the longest to learn? I think it's for like looking at type wise, I think it's the power of data, um, being a, a privacy oriented company. We've long, um, tried to avoid um, looking at data, uh, but now we just realize if we want to grow more, we need some sort of usage data. Yeah. And I, I believe we've found a way how we can uh, unify um, privacy with getting some anonymous usage data. Um, and we could have done that much earlier. Um, and I think you would have, you know, um, avoided some back and forth 
in our discussions because we thought uh, we know uh, what the user wants. Love it. The app is called TypeWise. Go search for it in your favorite app store or go check out the website if you really want to see how David's really changing a lot of different things. It is typewise.app. David, if the audience wants to follow up with you in any way, do you want to send them anywhere else? I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, David Everly and uh, uh, the company is called TypeWise. Um, so I should be easy to find. Awesome. Love to well, all that is linked up in your favorite podcast app. So if you've got anything out of this, go connect with David. Say thank you for that awesome interview on App Masters. Tell him you loved it and then ask for whatever you want to ask for later on. But David, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks, Steve. This was awesome. Um, looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah, same here. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.